Hi, I'm Mike Azenko. I'm a uh, management consultant and a columnist for foreignpolicy.com. Uh, have been thinking about limited uses of force and reputation for a long time. Really cool today to talk to Daniel Lupton, a professor of political science at Colgate University, who has written one of the most important books that I uh, invite everyone to read, Cornell University Press book called Reputation for Resolve, How Leaders Signal Determination in International Politics. Uh, professor Lupton, what's the thesis of your book and how is it different a bit from some of the other works out there on international reputations? Well, thank, thanks so much for having me here, Micah, and thank you for that kind introduction. So the main argument that I put forth in the book is that leaders and their reputations matter, and what leaders say early in their tenure and how they follow up their statements with concrete policy action fundamentally determines whether they acquire reputations for being strong and firm and resolute, or they acquire reputations for lacking resolve or being irresolute and kind of wishy-washy. And where my book is different from what's come before in the past is first, I argue and show that reputations do matter in international politics. There's a very en vogue argument right now that reputations don't really matter and that this is really just a symptom of leaders being egotistical. And I show instead that no, actually, reputations for resolve do matter. And two, the other way my book is different from previous books on reputation is that my book focuses explicitly on leader-specific reputations. So how does President Trump, um, how does President Obama, acquire reputation for resolve and what effect does that have? Whereas past work has looked at state reputations. So what is the reputation of the United States, for example? I like to think of President Trump, I always call him the passive hawk, right? He's somebody who has great support for, or has instincts for use of force and following through on coercive threats, either diplomatic, uh, political or economic threats, um, and then not actually doing so. Um, what's your take on the President, uh, President Trump's uh, sort of approach to reputation and how that might be playing out with domestic or international audiences. So I think it's really problematic. And in fact, what my book shows is that one of the things you don't want to do is make really bombastic or kind of blustery, harsh statements and then fail to follow through on them. Because what that signals to not only potential adversaries, but also potential allies and just general um, international observers is that you really have, you're all bark and no bite. And so what that means is that not only do you lack resolve, you signal that you lack resolve, but you also undermine your credibility and your ability to make credible threats in the future when you might actually really want to follow through. And the other problem that Trump has is that he's really leaned into this, what Nixon would call the madman theory, uh, although of course has its roots uh, with Thomas Schelling. And that is this idea that if you have this really sporadic or um, erratic foreign policy and you make these threats and you know you don't your opponents don't know what you're going to do next that they're going to be afraid of you and that they're going to take what you say seriously and actually quite the opposite is true um, this this reputation for unpredictability undermines one's ability to really get what you want in the long term at least internationally for sure and there's some debate about whether in a second term his hands would be more tied uh, potentially um, either by domestic sources or pushback from retired current military uh, sort of balancing forces domestically, or whether he might be more prone to use force to carry through on some of those coercive threats. Any sense uh, of where he might be in a second term? Yeah, actually I have a lot of thoughts on that, but that would go beyond our six minute conversation. Uh, so to the question about domestic constraints, um, 
Congress has really in many ways kind of given up um, the reins on foreign policy. Now it's not fully their fault. Um, they, they have a lot of blunt tools at their disposure. But really when you have a strong divided ties in, in, in Congress um, or divided government in Congress, uh, I don't think that congressional Republicans are really gonna step up and put these checks on Trump. And as far as the military goes, I mean, we're now talking about having the military um, become a substitute for the postal system. Uh, the US has a sense that the military can save us from everything. Um, and as my colleagues in civil military relations, including um, you know, Jim Golby have written recently, like that, that's just not the case. And in fact, I think that Trump's behavior, uh, both internationally and domestically has really fundamentally, um, has the potential, excuse me, to fundamentally undermine American civil military relations in the long term. And so I think us um, hoping that the military will save us from Trump's erratic behavior in a second term is not only unwise, but also potentially dangerous to the health of American democracy. Right, and because it's not a role the military wants. Um, right. And it's certainly uh, assigns to them a politicization that they've always tried to avoid. Absolutely. Um, Joe Biden is somebody who cut his teeth in the 80s in the SFRC when he was just in his like mid to late 30s. He was very intimately involved with some of the decisions about uh, covert action in Central America, Operation El Dorado Canyon in Libya, or the praying mantis strikes against Iran. He also was the counterweight to a lot of uses of force in the Obama administration. A lot of people debate whether he was just being a skeptic uh, to what was prevailing conventional wisdom in the Oval Office, or whether that was his truly held position. He tend to being more skeptical, more resistant to putting forward these coercive threats and using force to follow through with them. Um, what's your sense of, of where, the Biden, um, where the Biden camp is on these issues of US standing and resolve in the world? I think that, I think that from what I've seen, that this idea that you know, uh, speak softly and carry a big stick, but then don't be afraid to, you know, to whack your opponent with the stick when you really have to, is the right way to go. So I think that you do want to have these reserve threats, but then when you, when you make threats, you really do want to follow through on them very clearly. Well, that sounds like uh, something we get to look forward to no matter what happens on November 3rd. Thank you so much for uh, your insights and read her book.